welcome back for another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. Today's story is a little different than any you've heard before, and I am super excited to introduce you to our guest, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm phenomenal. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm, I'm really stoked to be here. I'm excited to share your story, you know, just to kind of give people a quick overview. You're an author, you're a keynote speaker, you've been on a TEDx stage, you're a high performance coach to CEOs, executives, leaders, coaches, but you've got your very interesting pathway. So uh, let's, let's uh, rewind in time for a minute with where you started. Absolutely. Um, I joined the military at the ripe old age of 38. Uh, and that's, there's an origin story there, obviously, but uh, I was looking for something different. I was in chiropractic school. Um, I wasn't being fulfilled. I had about a year and a half left. Uh, I was married at the time. I was a bartender at the time also, and uh, my marriage dissolved. When my marriage dissolved, then my great uncle passed away. He was a big role model on me. He was in Vietnam and Special Forces. So that was a pretty devastating combination, and it just left me kind of reeling, asking me, asking myself a lot of questions. Why am I doing this? Is this what I still want to do? And I need to take a breath and take a step back. I, after my uncle Pat, my great uncle passed, I went to check out the military to see what they could offer me, and they said 35 is the age limit. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll turn around. But they, they gave me a, a PT test right there. I maxed it out. They gave me an ASVAB test. My scores were off the charts because of all the doctoral education. They were like, okay, listen, what are you doing here? What are you wanting to do? And I told them my motivation and the story behind it. They said, we'll sign a release right now to get you in at 38, but that's the very top that you can get in at. And uh, six months later, I'm getting off the bus at Fort Benning, getting yelled at in infantry school, so living the dream. So it was pretty <laughs> – I was older than all my drill sergeants. Um, wow. I was – yeah, I was competing against guys half my age. It was a very, uh, very unique way to kind of rediscover yourself. Well, that, that had to be challenging. So what gave you the courage to, at 38, go try for something that most people would be like, no, that, that's for a different, different period in life? It, it was seeing um, how quickly your life can change. My marriage was not something that I planned to, to, to just dissolve, and it did because I – I was prioritizing work and school, thinking I was doing it for the right reasons, but there are bigger priorities than that. And then the same thing with the with my great uncle passing, I thought he was invincible, and yet he he they found out that he had stomach cancer and he was gone within a month. So it showed me that life was short and that things don't always happen the way we want them to. And I was out of excuses. I had no wife, I had no kids, and my time to act on it was right then. And that's when I, I went through infantry school. I went through all, all the AIT and basic training and uh, got stationed in, in upstate New York and Fort Drum, 30 miles south of the Canadian border. So you went from doctor of chiropractic to U.S. Army. And how did you get from U.S. Army to the coaching that you do now? Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, we were preparing to deploy and uh, – in 2012, while, while we were trying to prepare to deploy, they kept pushing our, our deployment back. But that doesn't mean that they de-escalate your training. They click it up even harder because you don't know when you're going to go. So um, after a lot of hard training in that, that year, it was freezing cold. And essentially one morning I woke up and I was completely paralyzed from the neck down. And 
I'd always had dreams of, a, of something like that as a child, being chased by something and being unable to move or even scream. And uh, I was never able to see what was chasing me, but I can see now in hindsight that you can't see paralysis, but you can absolutely experience it. So, wow, so you woke up. What did you do? Like, I, what goes through your mind in a situation like that? It, it's one of those things where you're sort of damned for all the knowledge that you have. Uh, being that close to having a doctorate in chiropractic, I immediately did like an evaluation of myself. And I thought, well, either I'm really sore or I'm, you know, paralyzed and my body would not respond and my, my neck would articulate to move, to roll me out of bed, but the rest of my body would not. And that's whenever I'm paralyzed, I'm unable to move. I'm terrified. Uh, luckily there was somebody that was going to be knocking on my door early that morning anyway for a report. And, uh, I yelled at the door. I'm like, Hey, I can't move. Um, and I'm not the kind of guy that messes around. I'm, I'm pretty serious when it comes to the military stuff. And so uh, like, you're not messing around, are you? I said, nope. So, uh, you know, an hour later, I'm on my way down to the hospital. They're flying me down in the, in the ambulance. And I'd never been in the hospital since I was born. I'd had stitches and, you know, bumps and bruises here and there. But being rushed in on the gurney with an army of doctors that have the pen lights and they're, they're doing scans on you. And it's a... Uh, it's surreal because it doesn't seem like it's really happening to you, but it's impossible to ignore. Well, and you ended up going from there to an operating table where yes. things got even more complicated. Yeah, they, uh, they did an MRI. The disc in my neck at C5 ruptured. That's the same vertebral level where Christopher Reeve was paralyzed out whenever he fell off of his horse. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, you know, we're going to get you in the hut. We're going to get you in here. We're going to get you prepped to surgery. At that point, I realized there's nothing I can do. I was still in denial up to that point because I thought, well, maybe they can just give me a shot. You know, I've, I want to be deploying here soon. I don't have time for all this. Um, and so I get on the table. They put the anesthesia on me and I count down from 100 and I get to about 98. And then it's just very cold and very dark. And it seems like time stood still forever. And then all of a sudden uh, I'm in the, you know, ICU and they're, uh, they're waking me up and they're saying, Hey, welcome back to the land of the living. I didn't really know what the nurse meant by that. I thought it was just some sort of like thing that she says. And then later on the surgeon came in and I'm still, not only am I paralyzed, but now I'm in a, a neck brace now. So I'm completely immobilized. I, my throat is raw because I find out later, he said, listen, we lost you on the operating table twice. You were completely flat lined, So they're jamming more tubes down my throat and they're trying to bring me back. So I'm trying to catch up with the 24 hours of knowledge that just happened from being paralyzed, waking up, wondering if that's even, you know, a, a nightmare or a reality. And now being told, yeah, you died on us a couple of times. So that made me, he, he had a very congratulatory tone to it, but it still was something that was kind of hard to uh, wrap your mind up. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine what would go through your head. I mean, I guess there's the, well, thank God I'm still alive. I must have a purpose here. But at the same time, hearing that they nearly lost you, I mean, that's just kind of the same same thing that you were thinking when you were going to the military. Life's short. You never know. Yeah, you don't know. So unfortunately, he says, you know, we were able to bring you back. He says, but there's a lot of damage to your spine. And if you don't walk within the next few days, which we don't expect you to, if you don't, then this is what you're going to be with. This is what you're going to have. 
for the rest of your life. And so again, that's, there's all this stuff I'm trying to process and, you know, I'm in and out of sleep the whole time trying to kind of figure out what's real and what's not. And after about a week in the ICU where I'm not moving, days go by, I don't get better. And they say, all right, well, they're taking you back to the base for convalescence. That's when I start to hit my lowest point because I, I turned 40 years old in a bed, broke, divorced, bedridden, wondering what the hell I'm going to do next. So that's where I started. Wow. So what what changed things? So obviously you're you're no longer well, you're no longer 40. You're no longer uh, you know in in the military in that same situation. You're out there speaking, coaching. You've got a book coming out, an event coming up. We'll get that in a minute, but. What happened between here and there? <laughs> I went through four months of just anger and self-loathing. I was mad at everyone around me, but the person I was mad at the most was myself because I felt like the universe had bitch slapped me and was like, we've given you 40 years. We've given you all this time, all this talent, all this potential, and you haven't acted on it. So it felt like it was being taken from me, almost like it was a gift that I never actually actualized. After months of that, being angry, I realized that the anger wasn't serving me. And I try to find the opposite of anger is love, but in that capacity, it's, it's about gratitude. And everybody talks about gratitude. It's a big buzzword. But gratitude is something that you don't get to cherry pick. You don't get to be happy about the good stuff and then say, well, I don't like the bad stuff. If you have 360 gratitude is what I call it. If you can have 360 gratitude, if you can be just as grateful for the person who gives you a hug, as you are for the person who cuts you off in traffic and gives you the bird, you're bulletproof. Because no, no matter what happens in life, you either are learning from the experience or you're being edified by the, the beauty and the love that you find from it. What I did was I found the one thing to be grateful for in that situation. And for me, that was the fact that nobody else got killed. when Because if we'd been deployed, it would have taken two people to pull me out. It would have taken an air vac to get me out. It would have taken a medical team there. So there was almost a dozen people that I could count on that would have been potentially injured trying to help me. And once I was able to see my adversity as a gift instead of a curse, I started getting some feeling back in my fingers on my hands. So it was, for me, it was very powerful. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been to turn things around like that for yourself mentally. And then to be able to take that and turn it into something. I love the way you said that that 360 degrees be just as grateful for the you know the people you love and hug as the person who cuts you off in traffic. That's an amazing mindset. It, it, it's what you you have to have. I uh, it's what they reinforce in the military. I've been doing martial arts since I was a little boy, and that's all kind of built into it. The the Taoism, the Zen, the Stoicism. These are just perennial wisdoms that I've just changed throughout time or region. But that's sort of the reality. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, there's what we hope happens. And then we sink a bunch of money into something and it may not turn out the way we want it to. But hopefully we learn something from it. And then there's times whenever we get these huge, you know, windfalls of success. And so we have to be grateful for all of those things. We have to be grateful for when we fall down because it teaches us to get back up. And if we don't fall down, then we're grateful that we get to, you know, kind of run a little bit and we learn in the process. So what took you from you know, starting to change that perspective on life, figuring out how to see things as a gift to 
where you're at now with the coaching business. What was that part of the process? It, it's interesting. I I was I went back to my first love of martial arts when I got out of the military and uh, I was teaching privately. I'm I'm an instructor under Guru Dana Nasanto. That's Bruce Lee's protege. Oh, okay. So, so I was doing private lessons with some people, and there was a person that very, very well off, um, owns a lot of properties and stuff, and I would teach him a lesson, and then we would go to, to lunch thereafter, and I would, he would tell me what was going on with his business, and I would show him literally the lessons I was showing him and the philosophies and how he could apply it in his business and how that that would help save him, and he was putting those things into to play. And... One day he says, I've got a business coach that I'm paying $1,500 a month for. And he's not giving me anything nearly as, as useful and functional and practical as what you're giving me for $150 an hour as a martial arts instructor. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm hired. And he says, okay, that sounds great. He wrote me a check right there. And that was my first client. And I just, I coach the way I do uh, as, as a Sifu or a Sensei or a Guru where I teach from a place of love and respect, but I also call you on your BS and I kick you in the butt when you're not doing the work because I care about you, but I also want you to succeed. And if I'm your buddy the whole time and just say, that's okay. You didn't really push yourself. It's all right. That's not how you get there. You have to have that stern loving application so that you're there to cheer them on, but also to show them this is hard. It's supposed to be hard. Everybody's really enthusiastic at, at the very beginning. And then they hit the dip. They hit the gap. And then that's when most people need that kick. They need that push. And if they don't have somebody that they're actually trusting, that they're putting some money into, that they're putting commitment into, then they're not going to be able to get to that next level. And I'm able to get them through that dip a lot faster. We accelerate through it. We attack it. And now all of a sudden, that's when they go up to the next, you know, mountain, mountain top. Of things you said in there are such important things for people to realize. Number one is the value of having that support and having somebody who will objectively tell you the truth because they love you, they want you to get results. Um, you know, it's it's easy to have the cheerleaders around us until things get bad, and then you know, say, "Well, she had that really that's hard." But when you have that person that is just there to be honest and push you through the dip as you described it, it's invaluable. Having coaches in my business has been one of the, if not the smartest thing that I've done because they can see you from a different perspective and help you get past your own junk that's going on that tells you to quit or try something easier. That's exactly it. The other thing that's interesting is it sounds like you kind of accidentally fell into the coaching field because you were doing it naturally. Yeah, the, uh, they say one teaches and two learn. And I've taught martial arts for so long. And so uh, a martial art example, if I'm teaching you to throw punches and I and you drop this hand that protects your chin when you throw a punch, if I let you do that long enough and then you get into a fight to defend yourself or somebody else, you might get knocked out. But that's not your fault as a student. That's my fault, right? So that radical accountability is what's necessary. But with that brutal self-honesty comes just amazing enthusiasm because you can be ferociously optimistic knowing that you're being honest and knowing that this person is going to tell you the truth. What I do is I'll have people set goals and I'll see where they are for like six months, uh, a year, two years, five years. And when we're working that hard, they're almost achieving their two year goals in six months because they have that person. They have me spurring them on. They have me asking more of them. 
we're all used to going to a certain point. And then even when we push beyond that, we think that we're doing more. But even far beyond that, there are many other clicks and levels that we could go above if we had the right motivation. And a good coach will find that motivation, will find when to give you the carrot, when to give you the stick, when to threaten you with the stick, when to give you yep. the carrot, right? <laughs> and that's where that that's where that tough love comes in. And that's that's how you get that person there. And I, I'm very honest at the very beginning. It's like there may be times you don't like me. That's okay. You'll love me later on after we get to that next level. And sure enough, that's how you get there. That's something that I think people underestimate sometimes when they're looking at who do I hire, who do I partner with as a coach because it's a very collaborative thing, right? You have to be able to trust the person even on those days where you literally, you know, if you're doing virtual coaching, want to throw something at the computer or throw the computer out the window. I've had those conversations with coaches where, no, I can't do this. I'm not doing this. And of course, five minutes after I hang up, do this you know but yep. it, it is something that you have to trust the entire process um, and it, it's it's interesting to me you know a few years ago I started taking karate and part of it was hearing from so many of the successful business people that, that I was meeting with and talking to and my colleagues and friends and they're like just we can't explain why but it will help you a business go do it and not just the discipline of it but actually being able to see that I'm capable of more than I thought I was, if I have somebody pushing me and I trust that person, it really did make a huge difference. Um, and I found out that I actually liked it a lot, which was surprising. But <laughs> the, the skills, the mindset that you learn is is absolutely transferable into what we do in business. And I thought that was fascinating for someone who didn't grow up in, in that world. Yeah, it's it's incredibly empowering. And just like you said, you, you walk differently. You hold yourself in a different manner now. Instead of walking around timidly, you know, because if a person's looking for somebody to, to mug or if there's predatorial type people out there, they want to find the easy target. So they see the person who's hunched down, shoulders down, looking away, or the person who's doing this because they're not paying attention. Not aware. They're, they have no situational awareness, right? So when I'm teaching classes like that, if I'm teaching, you know, females self-defense, for example, I tell them, listen, get to your car turn the car on, lock the doors. And if you want to check your phone, then you can. But whatever is going on on this can wait an additional 10, 15 minutes until you get home because the world will not stop revolving if you don't check an Instagram or a Facebook post. There's getting home safe is the most important. And, and learning those skills and that discipline really does help in business because so often when I work with clients, they're like, I'm not making any progress. I'm not getting anything done. It's because... They're looking at their Facebook alerts every 30 seconds or their email inbox and being able to draw that line and say there's time and a place for each part of uh, of what we do really does make a huge difference. So I can see where that skill set would absolutely be valuable for working with clients. So I know you've got a whole bunch of cool stuff going on right now. I would love to know a little bit about your book and, and what you do as far as speaking engagements and We'll share with everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, outstanding. Um, my TEDx talk, The Gift of Adversity, kind of really pushed me to the next level. I've been speaking for a while, but once that came out, and uh, I was in the midst of writing my book, The Gift of Adversity, Overcoming Paralysis and Pain to Find Purpose, at that same time. So 2017 was pretty busy, but it, it's a great problem yeah. to have. Yeah, it was it was a good problem to have. So. Uh, oh, no, I have a great book. I'm on a TEDx stage. <laughs> oh, what do I do with myself? Oh, my life is horrible. Uh, yeah, it's it, it was very good. It, the, the book came out, and it's making a big impact. It's a bestseller now. The TEDx talk is, you know, 
it, it's really nice that you can see somebody see that and get responses to say, hey, this really helped me. Uh, I'm sort of an old school kind of person. Books are what sort of changed my life. And I, it's nothing better to buy a book for somebody that you care about or say, listen, you have to read this. And that's so important. Uh, when you and I met, J.D. Crumb III was there as well at the, that summit. And uh, he and I have been business partners for a while. And we've partnered to create the, uh, it's called the High Performer Boot Campus for coaches, consultants, and business providers. And we, it's a six-week intensive course. And it's very much the things that we're talking about now where it's talking about a business plan, a functional business plan. It's talking about being able to actually find the correct target market, being able to close properly. And these are things that I've interviewed. I've got a lot of coaches that are actually my clients because coaches need coaches too. And we see the same thing. We, the people that's, that are making $50,000 are making similar mistakes to people that are making $5 million. And it's, it's just a sort of different escalations, but it's very similar in a lot of those things. And then uh, I do a lot of other speaking, but the, the big speaking engagement that I have is going to be September 20th at the Stan Mansion in Chicago. It's called the Power of We Symposium. It's absolutely going to be power-packed. There's going to be seven other speakers, four male speakers, four female speakers. Lauren Michael Harris is the one organizing it, and his Goldcast video has gone viral, as you and I were talking about before. So there's a lot going on and I'm, I'm really looking forward to a lot of the opportunities. And just like this, this conversation for me is, is incredible and getting to meet you and getting to meet other people in this arena is, is always tremendous. You know, it's, uh, it's really interesting when you walk into an event, the connections that you walk out with that you might never expect. There is, you know, hiring business coach, probably the smartest thing, attending events, Definitely another one on that list of yeah. if you want to grow your business, if you want to up-level where you're at, do it. Um, so we'll put a link wherever you are listening or watching this interview. It'll be below the video, below the audio to uh, Marcus's book, to the program that he shared about that's coming out soon, as well as the events so that you can check all of those out. Also be links to connect with them on social media. So a couple more quick questions before we wrap here. Cool. I ask everybody I interview. What is your favorite thing about working with clients in your business? Man, for me, I do 360 accountability, so I ask other people. And that's another thing for accountability. So if I'm talking to a CEO and I ask his wife, is so-and-so working on this stuff? And she's like, oh, he's been, you know, incorrigible. I can't stand him. And he's telling me that he is. Guess what? Me and Joe are going to have a nice conversation the next time we talk. That's a whole other level. That that is, but that's what makes that's what makes me keep them where they where they need to be. But when I get a conversation from her where she says, "I don't know what you did to my husband, but you brought him back to me," that that's why we do what we do. So, if there was one thing you could say to listeners today to leave them with, uh, I don't know whether it be about our mindset and changing person, a gift, or what's the one thing that you'd like them to take away? Uh, adversity is a gift, and that's that's very much my mindset, but I'll give them something that they can apply right now from a mindset standpoint. Chances are everybody has a goal in mind or they have something that they want to get accomplished. So the next time you catch yourself sort of in this default setting where you don't know what's going on, ask yourself in that moment, is what I'm doing right now, is that getting me closer to my goal or is it pushing me further away? Is the food I'm about to put in my body going to make me healthier or is it going to make me Am I going to regret it later? Am I getting enough food? Am I getting enough sleep? Everything that we did in the military was mission-based. 
So if I was dehydrated, if I wasn't attention to detail, people could die. So give yourself that sort of accountability and ask yourself right now if you're getting closer to your goals. And if what you're doing right now is not getting you closer to your goals, there's nobody else that you can blame or hope will take the accountability for you. Own it, embrace it, and move forward if you really want it to happen. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on today and sharing your story. It's a really, really powerful example. The path that we take in life sometimes feels like it's just a mess of craziness, but it really does take us to where we're meant to be to get that gift we have with us. Absolutely. It, it's hard to see it in the, at the time, but if we look back on it in hindsight, that's why it's so important to think that way now, because if we wait until the moment that we're in the heat of battle, it's too late. So you have to start thinking about it now so that you can, you have to dig the well before you're thirsty. Great point. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And again, everybody listening, watching, there'll be links uh, near this video or audio somewhere that you can connect with Marcus. Go find out a little bit more about his story. Watch the TEDx talk, check out the book. And uh, if you're in the market for a little more accountability, definitely check out his coaching program and how he may be able to support you and really shift your goals so that you can reach your goals. Again, thanks for tuning in. Hit like, subscribe, share this episode, and we will see you back again for another episode of The Art of Being Video.